Well, welcome to another edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Uh, happy Reformation Day to you. October 31st, of course, is the day uh, back on uh, October 31st, 1517, that a seminary student by the name of Martin Luther was studied to be a Jesuit priest in the Catholic Church. He was all of 33 years of age, I believe, and he nailed his theses to the uh, door at the church at Wittenberg. Some people saw this as a, an act of protest. Others, basically, he was preaching that week, and he was going to put his sermon up there to say, this is what I'm going to be talking about. But this was not a homily like you'd expect at a Catholic Mass. It was a worship service like no other, where he put together 95 positions that he just said, I think this is a place where the church needs to reform. And when Catholic leaders saw the theses that he had posted to the wall at the Church of Wittenberg, they basically called him in for a bit of a, an examination, as it were. And after their interrogation, he was excommunicated from the Catholic Church. But he didn't stop preaching that information. Uh, we're going to take a full and complete look in hour number two at the Reformation and why it is so important to us here today, uh, not just for people in the church, but how the world has been changed by what Martin Luther did, how the use of the printing press to take these theses that were then taken from the door. And it's not like someone came up and got a screenshot of them and put them on social media, but rather how they were reprinted and repurposed. And there were lots of reformations that had been happening at the time, but this is the one that really, uh, that really stuck, if you will. So we'll get into that in hour number two, I promise. I know there's a big debate over whether or not to celebrate Halloween, and I encourage you, if you're a bottom line listener, we have a couple of different events that we're going to be part. I think we're going to be at Skyline Church. Matter of fact, when you call the station today, it's Movie Monday, by the way. And we do have movies to give away, movie tickets and things like that. Uh, when you call, you're going to get Joel answering the phone because Crystal and Teresa are on the road right now, uh, heading to San Diego to uh, uh, hang out with our friends at Skyline Church for their trunk or treat event. We recommend, you know, that you take it to heart, you know, that uh, this is a day when a lot of people want to celebrate in the body of Christ and uh, that they want to celebrate, you know, kind of an alternative to Halloween. Of course, the culture, Halloween has become the second most popular holiday in terms of monies spent on parties and costumes and things of that nature. Uh, Christmas still is the big kahuna when it comes to spending in the secular culture, but Halloween is now a close second, more so than New Year's Eve, more so, obviously, than Easter, and because people celebrate birthdays on different days, obviously, Mother's Day and Father's Day were never really in competition. But the fact that people go all out, the places like uh, uh, amusement parks will start their, they used to do a night or two, and now they'll start their Halloween celebrations on Labor Day, if not sooner. And this is a big issue for the church, because the church often gets caught in the middle of this. On the one hand, you have some church-going people who say, absolutely not, death, demons, glorifying, that type of stuff. I will never celebrate Halloween. We'll have a good Reformation Day celebration, and then we'll celebrate All Saints Day on November 1st. Other Christians say, come on, let's use costumes as a witness, and it doesn't have to be you know, that uh, bad and horrible and scary and you know, stormy and that type of stuff. Shane Eidelman is a pastor in California at Westside Christian Fellowship in Leona Valley. And he's having a church service tonight and then every night thereafter. Apparently they did this last year as well. It's called the Ren the Heavens event. Uh, they started it last year because they were sensing that there was a lot of chaos 
and consternation that is tearing the culture apart. And he said, so basically, uh, we could meet every quarter for a whole week and just kind of get together and, and talk about the things that, that need to be discussed. It's called for the church to be the church again, taken from Isaiah 64 and the rend of the heavens thing. So the, the only thing that's going to really change our nation is us petitioning God. And so they start. People are hungry. And so he says, you know, quite frankly, on Halloween, it's become such a dark holiday that people try to make light that we decided to have a church service on Halloween night to try to attract people to come. And then we have worship services for the whole rest of the week, focusing on how far our culture has fallen away from biblical principles. So uh, we'll put that article up at thebottomlineshow.com if you want to read more about it and maybe check that out. Um, but I encourage you to prayerfully consider how you would share your witness with others in an event like this. Now, I realize a lot of bottom line listeners are not going out and going to parties and stuff like that. You know, it's just another day where you might have people come into the house and, you know, that type of thing. There are a lot of concerns that parents have right now, and this could be a golden opportunity if you live in an area where there are a lot of families. This could be a golden opportunity for you to let your light so shine before others that they would see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. I used to be just kind of on the fence. When I was a kid, didn't know any better. We got dressed up for Halloween, went around, got candy from the neighbors, and went home. That was about it. When I became a parent, all of a sudden, then it became apparent to me that there was a lot more going on with Halloween than just, you know, the, the fun, innocent stuff. And I really kind of pushed back against it. As I've gotten even older now and now into grandparent mode, I know that my grandkids will be trick-or-treating this year, probably. I mean, I, I, they're in different states, so we don't know. They won't be coming by our house, that's for sure. Um, but, but I also understand, too, that if you look at the history of All Hallowed Eve and you look at how people have celebrated in the past and how the church has celebrated in the past, I'm of the opinion now that All Hallowed Eve used to be a religious conversation. And if there were costumes to be dressed up in, from what I've read and researched, it was people dressing as the saints of old. And they did have some people who dressed as goblins and ghosts and things like that. But they were to represent the evil side of nature. And the true Hallowed Eve celebration as a prelude to All Saints Day, as a commemoration of the Reformation, was basically tied into the victory that good celebrates over evil. And so I think a lot of it has to do, quite frankly, and just anecdotally, with how we choose to celebrate. What's your motivation? I know it sound, makes it sound like a bunch of method actors, but I, I think it's accurate. What's your motivation for celebrating? Uh, there are those who want to dress in kind of provocative fashions, whether it's, you know, with a lot of blood and gore or maybe sexual innuendo, things like that. And I don't think there's any place for that in a Christian celebration, obviously. But the question we have to ask ourselves is, do we spend more time in the culture being uh, agents for those in agencies that let ever, the whole world know what we're against rather than what we're for? See, a good Halloween celebration, I think, would educate people on the history of good versus evil, throw in some side order of Martin Luther and the fact that this is a time when the church, after 1,500 years plus post-Jesus, had realized they'd kind of wandered away from him. And had gotten into indulgences and some things that I think are extra biblical or non-biblical. And Luther's call was to say, look, grace alone, faith alone, word alone. You know, that, that, that whole mantra. And so as you commemorate, or if you have family members who commemorate, I, I pray that you would keep 
uh, God, first and foremost, in how you choose to mark this day. Today being All Hallowed Eve and tomorrow being All Saints Day, where we remember the great men and women of the faith who've gone before us, the ones who we hope to uh, be reconciled to and uh, <laughs> rejoined to eventually once we're once the role is called up yonder getting back to the biblical is a theme for this hour here on the bottom line show taking a focus at what is true and right and good and it is a movie monday 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line show uh movie mondays are a lot of fun it's something that just kind of started about a month ago when it just seemed like we had a plethora of christian faith-based projects documentaries action adventures etc romantic comedies the whole bit and i like movies you like movies so we thought why not take a look at a, a different movie every week on monday and if it's something that's in the theaters like patterns of evidence or first responders movie um the uh, life mark movie about adoption uh you think about the uh the mulligan movie about forgiveness that great golf story with pat boone had pat on a couple months ago have been so many great projects for us to talk about. The Chosen follows that uh, pattern with season three, getting a theatrical release coming up November 18th in thousands of theaters all across the country. But as we continue here on this movie Monday, I want to turn the spotlight on a, a small little documentary that has to do with our dominion as Christians here in the land and the responsibility that we have to to care for the things God called us to care for. If you look at the Genesis account of creation, God created the heavens and the earth, the garden, you know, land and sea and sky, all the creatures, and then created man out of dust and said to Adam, the man, you have dominion over everything. Name all these things, care for all these things. And I realized that the conversation about environmentalism in the culture often takes a highly politicized turn, and rightly so, because of the fact that it's become so politicized. I'm not saying it's right that it that it's become that way, but it's right that the conversation would go there because that's how you're going to kind of bring people back. Uh, Try Robinson is a pastor. Uh, he's a cowboy, and he's also an environmentalist. We had a great chance to meet up with him when his movie Cowboy and Preacher was released to the public. Um, an evangelical pastor who's also a rancher who he says, I'm trying to teach truth just based on the Bible. We have been commissioned to care for this earth. And so I believe that the caring for the earth begins with us as Christians, not waiting for the government to do something. A documentary was made about his life in this ministry called Cowboy and Preacher. We have a link for that movie up at thebottomlineshow.com. Uh, Try Robinson's going to join me on the other side of this break to talk about his work as an environmentalist who's faith-based, who takes his cues from God's word doesn't take excuse from the federal government. It's a fascinating story. You're going to enjoy it coming up next as the bottom line continues. Clients love her. Insurance companies fear her. No other personal injury attorney knows the inner workings of insurance companies like Stephanie Cover of Cover Law. In a cutthroat industry where most attorneys don't even last five years, Stephanie Cover spent 20 years defending insurance companies, never compromising her integrity despite constant external pressure. During those 20 years, Stephanie Cover gained invaluable insight into the tricks of the trade. She knows more about your insurance policy than your adjuster does. Today, Cape Wright's personal injury attorney uses her unparalleled knowledge of the insurance company's playbook to call their bluff every time, even earning the grudging respect from lawyers and adjusters who know they can't get anything by her. She used to defend them. 
Now she beats them at their own game. Schedule a free, no-obligation consultation at kbrightradio.com slash Coverlaw. She knows the other side. I love how Stephanie reminds us as Christians to not rely on the other guy's insurance company because they've never overpaid a claim, ever. Make sure that you do your due diligence, but also understand, too, the laws have changed so much in personal injury law over the past couple of years. You can't fight this case on your own. Contact Stephanie Cover for more information. 877-214-4935. Special guest joining me today here on The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. If you have ever found yourself in the middle of one of these conversations where people will look at environmental issues, for example, on the one side, there are people saying this is number one job for everybody in America, everyone in the world, and we've got to do everything we possibly can. And on the other side, you say, yeah, but you know what? We're Christians and we trust God and we're going to get a new heaven and new earth anyway. So why do we even mess with this type of stuff? Uh, I have an exhibit here for you. Uh, It's a brand new documentary that I think will actually help frame the argument a little bit better so we can move from the either or to a both and conversation about Christians and the environment. Uh, Try Robinson is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. He's a teacher. He's a pastor. uh, He's a missionary. He's an evangelist. Uh, For the past 25 years, he was the uh, lead pastor and the founding pastor at the Vineyard Christian Fellowship of Boise. And uh, he is now the centerpiece of a brand new documentary movie called Cowboy and Preacher. We've got a link for the trailer up at thebottomlineshow.com. Try Robinson. Welcome to The Bottom Line Show. Hey, thanks, Roger. Pleasure. well, you've, you've got an amazing testimony to share, the fact that you, you are a cowboy, you are a preacher, you are a teacher, you are... Uh, I, I don't like to use the term activist, or at least I mean, we're just getting to know each other, but after having seen the movie Cowboy and Preacher, I don't get the sense that this is an activism in the sense that we typically think of activism. This really just seems like a passion and a natural outgrowth of your ministry. Is that a fair way to describe where you are right now? Yeah, I mean... Uh, um... I'm a Christian leader that wants to practice what he preaches, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and so I want my my life uh, to be a model, really, of mm-hmm. how I think that at least one way that uh, a Christian can can live out a passion for creation care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's so I'm, and, and the other thing is, you know, I'm not really a cowboy. Actually, I'm a country liver. I have a horse and I have cows, and and I, you know, <laughs> I'm. I'm not really a cowboy cowboy. I don't see myself as that. Uh, okay. Well, in, fair enough. You know, but, yeah. But, but anyway, yeah, it's, uh, it is what it is. So. Yeah. I, well, I love that. Uh, this documentary, the link is up at thebottomlineshow.com, and it's now available on all the major streaming platforms. We'll have more information on that in just a moment. Um, how did we get to this point, Tri Robinson, where you are uh, having an English filmmaker come out from the U.K. Uh, to do a documentary about your life? It's not every day that that happens, but uh, how did you and Will get together, and, uh, and, and what led to the moments to where he said, I think I need to make a movie about you? Well, gosh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know where to start. I, my wife and I came to Christ in the Jesus movement in, um, in the early 70s. And, of course, in those days, um, I, you know, I have, a, I have the story. It's actually in the film for the detail. But, it's, it, you know, it was, a, um, it was a time when the, uh, the whole idea of creation gear kind of got pushed out of, of – um, uh, evangelical ministry, mm-hmm. and uh, mainly because the church in that day, um, actually my generation, were all environmentalists in the 60s, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. and then we, we became Christians, and it was right after Roe Ro versus Wade, and a lot of the real more radical uh, environmental groups like Sierra Club, Greenpeace, 
you know, they 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 really believed, you know, that the the world was really going to get in trouble because of overpopulation, and so they supported uh, Roe versus Wade, and so they became they were pushed into the enemy camp. But the problem was, as as creation care got pushed into the enemy camp, to where Christians and also you probably remember the old book. Uh, the late great Pender, yeah, Hal Lindsey, Lindsey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, and he was saying it's all going to burn anyway, da da da, and that kind of whole idea, which really isn't a biblical idea, you know, mm-hmm. right, uh, right? If if you actually look at the scripture, but anyway, um, we just, in a way, we gave away something we were commissioned to do, hmm. and then along came the kind of moral majority religious right that really pushed back on anybody hmm. that would even say anything about creation care or environmental stewardship. And uh, so I, was a, I grew up as a pastor in all of that. And come the year 2000, I have two adult children, um, and we're having dinner one night, and they say that they're not going to vote in the Gore-Bush election. And I go, what do you mean, man? We're, you know, we're, we're Christians, we're evangelicals, which in those days it meant you were a, a a right-wing Republican, you know? Right, right. And uh, they said, you know, we we have a passion for the sanctity of life, but we also have a passion for the creation, and so we're not voting. And mm. They were like millennials today. They would have been, now they're, you know, older, <laughs> uh, almost 50. But yeah. so anyway, we got in this, this argument, and they just said to me, as a pastor, their dad, why is it that we've never heard a message off of a pulpit, of a Christian pulpit, about creation care when it's all through the Bible. And um, mm. anyway, it really caught me back. I, I went to the Bible, and I took a, red, a green um, felt-tip lantern like you would do a red-letter Bible. I did a green, <laughs> green letter Bible. <laughs> For all the environmental references, the yeah. And uh, I realized how much Christians have been commissioned to care for God's creation, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, how we should be not just uh, concerned about it, but we actually should be the leaders of it, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've given this commission away. And uh, so anyway, I I got so convicted, I decided to preach uh, three three messages in a row. Um, and my church is a large church in Boise, and uh, it was a red state, and it was uh, um, full of political people, and, and of course, just my generation is pretty political anyway, and uh, and I was just scared to death what would happen. Sure. I thought I was okay. just going to kill my church, and I preached these messages based out of Romans 1, where um, Paul wrote and said, you know, man is without excuse from knowing God because he's revealed himself through all that he's created, you know, mm-hmm. his eternal power, his divine nature, you know, mm-hmm. and I mean, the very character of God, we call it nature because it's the nature of God. I mean, it's like you, and we were actually calling environmentalists, especially younger ones, tree huggers, and we would sure. say to them, you know, stuff like, yeah. oh, you're, you're just worshiping the creation, not the creator, and all these things. We had, we had all this ammunition, you know, and I realized we were literally pushing people away who were right on the verge of receiving Christ, because mm-hmm. they could see his nature in the environment. And uh, the church grew. When, after those messages, I actually got applause, standing ovations in my church, and the church actually started growing with younger people. Mm-hmm. I mean, wow. there's hardly a millennial alive, I hate to say this, but there's hardly a millennial alive that doesn't really not only know the climate's changing, but they're really fearful about it, mm-hmm. and their future, you know, yeah. things like that. And... Uh, 
and yet we they see the church as as the pushback of all mm-hmm. of that and and not really even speaking to the things that are concerning them you know this and, is an uh, interesting I, okay i want to interrupt for just a second so I want, for someone who's just tuning in i want them to know who's who's sharing all this great wisdom try robinson is my guest today here on the bottom line we're talking about a documentary about him and his ministry and his church uh, with creation care the b- a movie is called cowboy and preacher we've got a link for this up at the bottom line show.com i'm just see if i can summarize just briefly before we continue on try what you were talking about the fact that in the 60s when it seemed like so many young people were into environmentalism and and you know th- there was great gross pollution everywhere. The federal government creates the, you know, the, the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, and then there's also the passage of Roe versus Wade at the same time, and it seems like a couple of gross generalizations were made about environmentalists because of the environmentalists who were saying, hey, population control is a big deal, so abortion's a good thing, and the church kind of took a hard left or a hard right, depending on which way you want to look at it, away from environmentalism, and now here we are 50 years later, and some of that residue is still kind of clouding the thinking of a lot of Christians when it comes to creation care. Is that is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. Okay. okay. I, I mean, that's what, what put me in the dilemma of being a, a, a evangelical pastor of a large church and not wanting to say anything. Right, right, right. Because yeah. you you knew your constituents, you knew their political leanings, you knew how the church, quote unquote, felt about abortion, and so you're like, okay, well, wait. If abortion and environmentalism are tied together, then I really can't ruffle any feathers. And lo and behold, you come to your 2,000 member congregation, start preaching these green sermons, as you put it. I love the green letter Bible, and uh, the and all of a sudden the standing ovation in the church starts to grow. It's this remarkable try. And I'm sorry we're at our first break, but I'm going to stop here and then we'll continue on the other side of this break. Try Robinson is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. The movie is called Cowboy and Preacher, a documentary made by an English film group about uh, environmental care, uh, creation care, and how the church can and should do a better job of being involved in this, putting the politics aside but saying, wait, what does Scripture say? What does the environment look like right now? And how can we be better stewards of the earth? Not just good stewards, but better. More of my conversation with Pastor Tri Robinson in just a moment as The Bottom Line continues. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Try Robinson is my guest today here on the program. We're taking a look at the documentary made about what happened when a pastor, who I mean, the, the movie's called Cowboy and Preacher. As Try mentioned, he's not an official cowboy per se. He does live on a ranch. He does have you know farm animals and that type of stuff. But when he started going through it, he said, "What if we took a look at Scripture?" And you know how the words of Jesus oftentimes in the Bible are are highlighted in red. We'll call that a red letter edition of the Bible. He said, I went through and started looking at all the places where God commanded us as human beings to care for creation and came up with what he called a green letter Bible. And he started preaching the sermon, knowing that there had been some, uh, that was a revelation to me, what he just shared, about the fact that many people were eschewing the environmental movement because originally it was attached to the push for legalized abortion, you know, zero population growth and all that stuff. And how many people still kind of have that thought, you know, kind of that left a bad taste in their mouths. And so the thought was, well, if you're an environmentalist, that means you're pro-abortion. So I don't want to be an environmentalist. Hey, guys, we are Christians and we have cognitive dissonance. We can actually hold two seemingly competing thoughts in either side of our brain and make peace with it. Peace number one is care for creation. That's a command in scripture. Number two, care for the unborn and their mothers, and their families. Hey, we can do both. And so Tri started preaching this message and found that biblical message really resonated with his church. And so there's 
documentary that was made by an English film company that said, we got to get this guy on film, uh, came out as a, a DVD uh, release called Cowboy and Preacher. We've got a link for the movie up at the bottomlineshow.com, Preacher, uh, cowboyandpreacher.com. And we have a copy of the movie to give away right now. Now, this is fun because, as I mentioned at the start of the show, Crystal and Teresa are out at the Trunk or Treat event at uh, Skyline Church. You can go out and meet them if you'd like. So it's just me and Joel hanging out in the studio. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. We have one copy of this DVD of Cowboy and Preacher featuring the testimony of Pastor Tri Robinson. But we have other movies as well in our uh, goodie bag. And since, you know, there's there's no tricks, only treats when you contact Bottom Line Show. 800-227-5278. If you're not the winner of the Cowboy and Preacher movie, there are other movies for you to consume. And we would love to send you one. So everybody who calls basically asking for a movie is going to get a movie. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. the number to get you through to the bottom line here on this Movie Monday edition of the program. Now, we'll take a quick break, and when we come back, more of this conversation in the second half-hour segment. We're also going to look at the Paul Pelosi scandal as well. This this story just keeps getting weirder and weirder as the story goes on. We'll talk about it next as the bottom line continues in just a moment. Hey, I want to thank everybody who's been uh, uh, helping us with the campaign to help our friends at Freeborn. And, man, I'll tell you what. You, just over the weekend, four more bottom line listeners called, uh, donated over $500 to the Freeborn campaign. Thank you so much. As it stands right now, we have enough money to put an ultrasound machine, a $15,000 ultrasound machine, in a Freeborn clinic. So thank you for your tax-deductible donations. But the battle is still going, and we have 300 more kids I would love to see sponsored. Uh, 833-850-BABY is the number to call, 833-850-2229, or go to kbrightradio.com. Click on the banner for Preborn that's on the landing page there, or go to thebottomlineshow.com. When a woman sees the ultrasound of her preborn child for the first time, that's the first time mother and baby meet, and 83% of the time when mom sees that image, either she says, I'm going to be a mother, I'm going to carry this child to term, or I'm going to carry that child to term and release that child for adoption to one of the thousands of families nationwide who wants to uh, be blessed with that child. 833-850-BABY is the number to call, 833-850-2229, 833-850-BABY. Call Preborn today. Pastor Tri Robinson is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh, and as you probably figured out, Tri Robinson, he's the third in line of, what was your, your full name again, Tri? I, just, I, I like to share oh, this because I'm a geek about that type of stuff. Well, yeah, I always tell people, if I, if I tell you my name, I'll have to kill you, but <laughs> it's Franklin Willard Robinson III. There you, you know? go. Yeah. But Tri is for three, and that's all I've ever known all my life. So. I love it. I love it. Well, it's very, it's very distinctive, and I'm sure that's a, a great calling card, and God is using you and your distinctive name uh, to talk about an issue that I think a lot of Christians are finally starting to, you know, to put, we got the two gutters, you know, if you will. The gutter number one is that environmentalists, like you said, are tree huggers. It's all about political action. It's all about, you know, taking over the world, etc. On the other hand, it's gutter number two is so many people in the church for the longest time have just used that as an excuse to dismiss creation care. And it's guys like you, Tri Robinson, who are standing in the gap and saying, wait a minute, you know, I can show you chapter and verse so many different places. 
you've created Bible studies to help people, you know, kind of understand what the issues are here. And and the movie Cowboy and Preacher, I think, is is a real eye opener in that regard. Uh, what is your hope for this? I mean, it's probably, you seem like a pretty modest guy, so I doubt seriously that you're the kind of person who says I'm going to hire a PR team and make my name into you know something really glorious. It seems like I I get the sense anyway from our conversation here and what we're seeing on the the screen that it's all about the Lord first and foremost and ultimately winning souls to faith. But what is your hope for a, a film like this in terms of the different platforms that it's reaching and the different people that it's bringing this message to? Well, you know, I mean, I, I sh- I'm sharing my journey in hopes that especially Christian leaders would see what I you know, kind of enter the same journey and, and realize how um, we have demonized something that God has actually commissioned us to do mm. and to be stewards of. And we're living in a time, especially right now, where there is so much crisis, you know. And the problem is, is that I think our generation, my generation, which I'm 73, um, you know, you know, we, we're leaving an earth behind to these younger generations um and it's it's kind of a mess you know and 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 they're afraid and i think that a lot of a lot of them the millennial and so on age um they're pushing back on church they're leaving the church in droves mainly because they they don't see that we're addressing some of these issues that they're so fearful of Mm. and um and if we're as evangelicals actually about evangelism, then we've got to understand that the environment is one avenue, one pathway to bringing people to understand the nature of God, you know? Mm. And so um, I hope that people see it mm. and, and, and don't let politics get in the way of biblical truth. Mm-hmm. A lot of churches are, are taking action. I'll, I'll use my church as an example, not a huge one, but uh, about a decade ago, we realized that our church was built in the 1960s, and there was a big part of the parking lot that was just kind of an odd shape. And so we decided, a lot of senior citizens around, we should have a big median. And so it was this big, grassy knoll that no one mm-hmm. did anything with, except we would just water it and mow it. And, and it was this massive piece of grass. And at one point, one of the local water districts came through and said, hey, we're offering this deal. We'll rip out the grass and this, that. And the other thing, if you'll put something that's a bit more you know, friendly tolerant to the environment and we wound up putting a garden in there with fruit trees uh-huh. and stuff like that it's beautiful i mean i don't remember ever seeing the grass being that beautiful but and people pick fruit and stuff like that off it it's kind of i mean it's right there smack dab in the middle of orange county it's not a massive a- adventure but so many people have come by and commented saying i love what you did with that space are you hearing from churches more who are saying hey we got a garden going now here are we we're, we're trying to do something to make our uh, to, to show and demonstrate that we're caring for god's creation by not just asphalting everything and putting three-story buildings on it yeah i mean uh, our church uh you know years ago uh, one of the first thing i mean one of the things we we know about all uh, every christian should understand that we should be all about the poor you know and that we yeah. should be um you know, feeding the poor. I mean, that's pretty Matthew 25, you know, and we should be caring about food and water and these kinds of things, which, by the way, are environmental issues. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so we put in a three-acre organic garden and connected it to our food pantry, which was the largest one in our city, nice. and started not only feeding people healthy food, but actually had to teach them how. Um, 
at that point, you know, most people were just opening cans and eating TV dinners. I mean, especially mm-hmm. people who are kind of caught in poverty, they just don't take the time to learn how to cook, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. because it's more of a stage of. So we actually had uh, had to teach people how to what you do with a zucchini, you know, <laughs> and that kind of became a, an extension of the, of that food ministry. And so it was sort of all connected, you know, this whole idea of becoming more organic in nature um and of course i was living up here on the ranch and trying to um model and of course that's what the, the film is about how my wife nancy and i was you know we were living two lives it, it, it was weird because uh from the first when we first got married we lived on a homestead that um it was very remote uh, it was off the grid uh it was in 1970 and and uh we decided to live not off the land, but with the land uh, on this little homestead that had been in my family four generations, but had been uninhabited for many years um, after World War II. And so um, we went in and put in orchards and garden and, you know, and just realized, boy, we could, we can live on a lot less. And you don't need tons of property, but um, you, you need to care for it well. And so we were living these kind of two lives, one with a real love for the creation, a real love for the land, and, and learning to get our hands dirty. And uh, and the other was not saying anything about it um, from the pulpit, you know, because of this stigma mm-hmm. of, uh, if you're an environmentalist, um, you know, you're, you know, you, you're pro-abortion. And uh it was just terrible, really. And so one of the things, of course, I'm trying to do with this is to try to just change the mindset um, yeah. for the sake of the new generation, among other things. And, and you know, it's, well, it's, it's interesting. Try Robinson is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. The movie is called Cowboy and Preacher. We've got a link for it up at thebottomlineshow.com. It's a documentary that any church could show, any Christian school could show. Uh, it's one that you could very easily, uh, with your family, watch and then have a conversation about it. It, it is interesting, Try, how uh, as you're discussing this here, I know a lot of people, it, when you look at the Sanctity of Life community, I uh, would say, well, you know, the, you pro-lifers are only pro-birth. You don't really care about the whole child, the whole woman, the whole family, that type of thing. And, and to see the the Sanctity of Life crowd really start to embrace the fact that, yeah, this is multifaceted. I wonder how many mm-hmm. people who have done what you have described in terms of saying, look, if the Sierra Club was pro-abortion, then I hate the Sierra Club and I hate environmentalists, which is a, a horrible oversimplification. But it sounds like yeah. from what you've experienced, that's what a lot of what happened. I, I get the sense that your desire with your ministry right now is just to kind of help people reframe a little bit. Re, re, kind of re, Yeah, get a restart. Talk about that. Well, yeah, just to, to, to see it through. And that's why the, the whole film is based on seven Bible studies, very short Bible studies. You know, and one of my hopes with the film is that people will take those seven Bible studies. Actually, Will Frazier, the director, actually took those seven Bible studies, which are all like three three minutes each, you know, in terms of my part. Right. But take them into discussions in small groups or somewhere where where people will actually start talking about this stuff. And I think one thing they're going to find is that the younger generation is going to really um, embrace, you know, those discussions. Uh, because they're, you know, they know that this world's in trouble. And they know, and you know, and that they're getting handed off a world that's really 
nothing like the world that my generation was born into and was raised in. I mean, just it was normal for us to go backpacking and hunting and fishing and mm-hmm. camping and mm-hmm. really live in the environment. And um, and it's it's getting harder to do now, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it certainly is, and more and more difficult, and yet there is hope, and you're offering uh, that hope and that light and a plan for redemption here, Tri Robinson, and I really appreciate the fact that you've actually put this in. Um, we've got about 60 seconds left in our conversation here, which has gone by much too quickly. Um, when you think about someone who will watch this film, or even just try, maybe not, they might be a little hesitant to because of the thing you just described. It'd be really easy to dismiss this out of hand uh, because of the fact that it's kind of a tense moment for some people. And yet, as you shared before, you were so concerned. I know in the movie you talked about how many months in preparation and prayer and consultation with other people you spent before you preached your quote-unquote green sermon. And now look what it's done to your ministry and your church and that whole area too. Talk to that pastor who this is hitting him or her for the first time, just like a ton of bricks going, wow, I never realized I had been so negligent in my ministry in terms of something that's really important. What encouragement do you have to that person who might even say, okay, my first step is we're going to show this movie and have a conversation about it at church afterwards? Well, one of the things that did happen, I think I might may have mentioned, but I mean, one of the things that happened that I was surprised about it was, was how excited um, my congregation became especially when um, I provided them with opportunities to get out and uh, to experience the creation. Here in Idaho, of course, it's easier in the fact that we got mountains close by, but I realized there were so many broken homes and, um, you know, single-parent families, and it was just they were overwhelmed with just trying to survive, and so their kids were just kind of raised on computer games and, and you know, and so I encouraged my church. I said, if you don't get out and see it, you're never going to appreciate it. And if you don't appreciate it, you're never going to do anything about it. Right. You know, you're just not going to care. And, uh, you know, I know I raised my kids in the in the mountains, and and uh, they have this deep love for the creation. And, and uh, you know, and see it for what it is, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and then connect it uh, to biblical truth. Because God has commissioned us clearly to be the leaders of this thing, yes. and not to have given it away to this kind of liberal side of the of the country, you know, of that mentality. Yeah. But yeah. to realize that we 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 have to uh, we have to see it for what God, you know, what He's it's this incredible gift that He's given us, Amen. and then participate with Him. In, in every way that we can, that we can be assured that it could be passed down to future generations and yes. not just lost. Great so. words of wisdom from Pastor Try Robinson. The movie's called Cowboy and Preacher. We've got a link for it up at thebottomlineshow.com. Try, great to get to know you. Thank you so much for uh, your passion for this area of ministry and for uh, sharing it with us today here on The Bottom Line Show. Really appreciate you. <laughs> Thank you so much, Roger. It's a pleasure. Great conversation with Pastor Tri Robinson, the founding pastor. He and his wife Nancy planted the Vineyard Boise back in, uh, or Boise, as my friends there would say, back in 1989, and they served there faithfully for 23 years and still has a pastoral role uh, in the area, but uh, uh, moved on and now in his 70s is the feature of a documentary called Cowboy and Preacher, which is a movie about a pastor who takes a look at God's word and the command to care for creation and seeks to come up with a biblical approach that isn't highly politicized, that isn't super you know, politically motivated, but rather says, if we just take a look at what God's word says, 
in Scripture about caring for creation and act upon it, what would we do to make the place, the world a better place? I think it's a it's a powerful testimony. So it's not one of those, well, I'm a hardcore MAGA Republican and I think these tree huggers are nuts or I'm going to glue myself to works of art because the environment's dying and pour out milk in supermarkets. I mean, you see the extremes in the news all the time. This is a non-extreme approach. And I'm grateful for Pastor Try uh, for sharing that with us today. The movie Cowboy and Preacher is up at thebottomlineshow.com. You can watch the trailer. And we have a copy giveaway. It is Movie Monday, 800-227-5278. Joel is answering the phones today, 800-227-5278. And remember, on Movie Mondays, we always have extra movies. So we have one copy of this one to give away. But if you want to get in the drawing and win a movie, we've got lots to choose from. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Hey, on the other side of this break, what is up with this Paul Pelosi, Nancy Pelosi story? Is it a MAGA Republican who was part of the January 6th commission? Uh, I mean, it's a serious attack. An 82-year-old man was hospitalized for being hit in the head with a hammer and having lacerations on his arm. That That is no laughing matter. But there are a few things about the story that don't add up for me, and I'm going to pull out my balance sheet, and we can walk through that together on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues. Want to continue receiving income into retirement with little market risk? Dennis Wilson and Wilson Financial Services can help you secure a permanent income and benefits addressing your risk tolerance with professional advisory knowledge. You have a large 401k or IRA as your retirement nest egg. How about a four-dimensional plan that will pay you and your spouse income for life without stock market risk? How about we include inflation benefits so your income goes up annually? How about we include extra income benefits for long-term care? And if you need one or both, you both have it. That's right, permanent income inflation benefits, long-term care benefits with no market risk. We have put over $50 million of our clients' money in the 4D account in the last few years. These clients are sleeping way better at night. Learn more when you call Wilson Financial today at 800-696-9970. 800-696-9970. Wilson Financial for simply better alternatives. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Uh, Try Robinson's Cowboy and Preacher movie, which I think is one of the most uh, balanced and comprehensive approaches to the faith-based approach for caring for the creation. I mean, you can't, the environmental movement has become so highly politicized, it's virtually impossible to actually, you know, look at th that movement on its own and not see the corruption, not see the hypocrisy. I mean, there, there's a lot of it there. But at the same time, though, it's pretty hypocritical of us in the church to look at God's command to Adam to care for all creation and say, well, that was just for Adam. I mean, if Adam's sin followed him out of the garden, so did that care for creation command. Does that make sense? I mean, I think I think that's reasonable. And so that's why I like this movie. I really enjoy it. It doesn't make me want to go sell the house and move to Idaho and start a ranch and become an environmentalist. But it does make us all more mindful of the fact that some of the places that are talking about, you know, vegan options for food, for example, and then pile up all the plastic in all the, uh, the packaging that you have uh, for getting those foods. Items are you know, creating more waste. 800-227-5278. Joel is taking your calls. We have one copy of Cowboy and Preacher, the great documentary about Tri Robinson preaching what he called a green letter sermon and how it revolutionized his church and his community. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. The number to get you through to the bottom line. It is Movie Monday. 
That is one of the movies that we're giving away. We have one copy of that. We've got others, including movies from the Kendrick Brothers. Uh, we've got a copy of the Gospel of John, Gospel of Matthew. Actually, one of the Kendrick Brothers movies that we do have to give away, I know, is a three-pack that features their first three movies. So if you've never seen Facing the Giants, if you want to see Flywheel, if you want to see Fireproof, I mean, that's that's a great gift pack to have. 800-227-5278. Let's keep Joel busy from between now and the end of the program today. Hey, the, the story that came out of over the weekend about California Congresswoman Nancy Pelosi, who is also the Speaker of the House of Representatives, and that her husband, Paul, 82 years young, was attacked by an intruder early Friday morning last week. And the news just kind of hit the media over the weekend. And it's, it's rather horrifying as uh, the son of elderly parents uh, to think of someone coming into, breaking into your home and smashing through a window and attacking your dad uh, while your mom isn't home. Um, that, it, it's crazy. David DePape is the name of the guy. He's 42 years of age, and his story has been changing as the media have been getting news about him. Uh, apparently, he was an activist who was part of some uh, political action group that also favored nudism. Um, he Now, it turns out, he illegally immigrated to the U.S. from Canada. He's been here for about 20 years. Um, he is charged with, and they, they formally charged him with terror and aggravated assault and things of that nature. Um, he apparently was able to break into Nancy and Paul Pelosi's home Friday morning. Uh, the was a 28th of October. And when police arrived, the scene was described as both men were battling over a hammer. And then the assailant grabbed the hammer, hit Mr. Pelosi in the head, hit him in the arms a couple of times. And he wound up needing uh, surgery for a skull fracture and things like that. And of course, we're praying for a full and complete recovery for Paul Pelosi. Uh, regardless of your political affiliation, no one ever wishes that kind of violence on anyone. And then the media took over. And the media took over with the stories, okay? Well, this guy came into their home, and uh, uh, he, he was crazy. He was out of his mind. He was part of this radicalized group. And he asked Mr. Pelosi, where's Nancy? And that's the same thing some of the people who attacked the Capitol on January 6th said. So obviously, he's one of those MAGA rioters who denied the election. That's one theory that's come out. Um, another one is, of course, you know, that he's just a full-blown MAGA supporter. Uh as near as we can tell, David DePape doesn't have both feet in the batter's box. I mean, just to put it bluntly, he appears to be suffering from some, some kind of mental illness, which is tragic in and of itself that he would be driven by whatever demons or whatever are possessing him to attack the husband of the Speaker of the House. He went to her house thinking he was going to get her. And we don't know just yet why he chose her house. Um but there are some questions that a lot of people have been raising, and I've been wondering myself about these very questions. So I want to take a break, and when we come back, there's something about the story is Paul Pelosi was attacked, guy breaks into his home, police came, and now the Mr. Pelosi's on the mend, and the bad guy's going to jail for a very long time. But the police response to this home invasion doesn't add up. The timing of the home invasion doesn't add up. How this guy was able to break in, how were the police notified? Um, well, 
I'd like to go through and see if we can connect the dots and see if we can come up with some plausible reason as to why this story played out the way it did. All right. So we'll do a little analysis, balance, and clarity of the Paul Pelosi break-in coming up next as the bottom line continues. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Just a few moments left for you to call in to get a copy of Tri Robinson's uh, outstanding documentary called Cowboy and Preacher, kind of a Christian view of environmentalism from Scripture's perspective. 800-227-5278. As I mentioned, we only have one copy of that movie to give away, but we've got lots of other movies on hand, and Joel has been really busy. I think a lot of people want to talk to Joel today. 800-227-5278. Okay, Paul Pelosi's story doesn't make sense. Doesn't add up. Here's a reason why. Um, there are official photos that have circulated. Remember, the, the story is the guy broke in. He had a hammer. He and Mr. Pelosi were struggling for the hammer when the police got there. The police said drop the weapon. Mr. Pelosi dropped his hands. The assailant grabbed the hammer and hit Paul Pelosi in the head. He wound up going to the hospital, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. The official photos circulated of the back door where this guy allegedly broke in show the broken glasses outside on the steps, but not inside. If you were going inside or outside to in, wouldn't the glass break in? Number one. Number two, Paul Pelosi was allegedly violently struggling with the intruder. And at the same time, he was able to call 911. That's kind of weird. Apparently, he was able to excuse himself and say, I need to go to the bathroom. And we know, know that every assailant who goes into a home to try to rob it, when he's struggling with the, uh, say, the person who's defending the house, would easily give him a bathroom break. Number three, when he did call 911, the police determined that this was a quote-unquote non-emergency. And instead... They treated it as a, quote unquote, well check. Now, that may have been something that they did for the neighbors because the Pelosi's are pretty high profile. Don't forget, Speaker of the House is the third highest ranking official in the U.S. If something happens to the president and the vice president, the Speaker of the House becomes president. If, God forbid, something happened to our president and vice president right now, Nancy Pelosi would be Speaker from Speaker of the House would become president and her husband would be first gentleman. So Paul Pelosi's a big deal. Why would the police show up and say we're doing a routine wellness check? If the assailant was really a threat, why didn't the police tase him the minute they got there? No one drew a weapon? Apparently, Mr. DePape is being referred to as homeless because his former girlfriend said he wasn't living with her anymore. So a homeless guy walks up to the back of Paul Pelosi's $8.4 million estate breaks the glass and makes the glass shatter to the outside, gets access to the house with not an alarm going off anywhere, no guard dogs going off anywhere. You mean they don't have a high-profile security team? Did I mention that Nancy Pelosi's third in line for the presidency? There should have been Secret Service all over that house. The question then about the 911 call. Did Paul Pelosi call? Did somebody else call? If somebody else called, which would make more sense, who else was in the house and why didn't they do it? Now, there were some reports that the suspect was arrested in his underwear and those have been refuted. And there's some people who are suggesting that it's a drug deal that went weird or whatever. But the official story from where I sit does not add up. We'll keep watching and keep watching how the media spins it because the media have been giving you precious few insights as to what actually happened in the crime and a lot more insights about, well, you should see this guy's social media page. You should see what he said on Twitter. 
Let's talk to his ex-girlfriend about something he did 15 years ago. But with regard to the actual crime, I know it's still under investigation, but why is the San Francisco police being so mum? Why is the FBI being so mum? And where was this kind of activity when Brett Kavanaugh was being threatened? When his home was being targeted by rioters? Home address being given out? Why is it that when the left attacks the right, they always get a pass? Well, they deserved it. But when someone comes after with an attack like this, then we expect everybody, you know, barking dogs and the whole shot to come out after this. Keep the Pelosi family in your prayers for sure. No one deserves to have someone break into their home and threaten to kill them. And then, oh, by the way, now he's saying, well, where's Nancy? And uh, uh, I was going to bust her kneecaps and, and he brought zip ties, you know. There's a lot of circumstantial stuff that does not add up. Of course, we're going to keep our eyes on this. But please don't be dissuaded by the uh, what's happening in the media. And I'll, just follow the way they're reporting on this and see if they're just using this potentially as a red herring to distract people from what's really at stake on November the 8th. For our KCBC audience, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. And Rabbi Schneider, Discovering the Jewish Jesus, coming up next. For those who remain on the network, today's Halloween, right? Actually, it's Reformation Day way more important to us as Christians. I'm going to take a look at why the Reformation is more than just a religious experience. Coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. Welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, Movie Monday edition of the program. And boy, howdy, you guys are sure loving this. I'm loving it. I, bottom Line Show listeners are, are digging having this opportunity to get uh, these great Christian films and faith-based films in their hands. Uh, we've got some really good ones coming up. got a Veterans Day special for next week. Uh, of course, The Chosen is going to be in theater, so technically it's a movie Monday. On November 14th, you might want to mark your calendar. Uh, the Chosen uh, it will be our focus that day. I'm actually going to be in Atlanta for the uh, premiere. They're going to have a red carpet event uh, that week uh, for the release of the uh, first two episodes of season three of The Chosen. And we'll have a uh, reaction from the red carpet, and we'll also be giving away tickets to the November 18th screening of episodes one and two for The Chosen. And you know, they always have bonus material at those things. So I encourage you to uh, be listening. So uh, keep calling today. Joel's got a few more lines open at 800-227-5278 for Tri Robinson's movie, uh, Cowboy and Preacher. Uh, I think a very fair and balanced biblical approach to environmentalism. And then also we're giving away other movies too. Uh, next week, we got a Veterans Day special, and the week after that, The Chosen, and and the list just keeps on growing of all the great uh, films that are impacting the culture. And, you know, this is something where I was talking with George Barna about this. We were discussing uh, our mutual friendship with uh, Stephen and Alex Kendrick, and uh, the Kendrick brothers have done such a great job of making great faith-based films for a couple of decades now. They really came to prominence about 15 years ago uh, with, by the way, a movie that you can win as part of our uh, uh, movie Mondays here. We've got the, the flywheel is their short feature about a car salesman and then facing the giants came out and that got everybody's attention back in 2006. And then it's just gone on from there with uh, courageous well, fireproof and courageous and uh, overcomer war room. I mean, they made some great movies, but when George and I were talking about our friendship with the Kendricks, they originally reached out to him and they said, can you do some research for us to find out what will help reach the next generation? What will have the most impact, especially with younger people? And the data came back that hands down, the way to impact the culture most effectively was through film. 
And so they started making movies at their church, at Sherwood Baptist Church in uh, Athens, Georgia. And then they eventually started making uh, more big screen releases. Now it's Kendrick Brothers movies and the Downs Brothers. And my goodness, the Irwin Brothers, so many great brothers uh, uh, who've been making great Christian film for a while. David A.R. White, our friends over at uh, Pure Flicks and uh, Pinnacle Productions, just tremendous stuff. So even, I mean, we've even gotten into the act. Um, <laughs> if you go to myhopenow.com, I know a lot of our listeners here be talking about that and they'll call in and we'll ask them, you heard of My Hope Now? And some will say yes and some will say no. Every week at myhopenow.com, you get a chance to see several of the bottom line show, either features from the show or interviews with guests that I've done. Uh, Tamara, in addition to being our producer extraordinaire for the radio broadcast, Tamara also produces our audio podcast and she puts together all the video clips of interviews that I do with guests. I was doing a couple more earlier today before the program started and it was uh, it's just it's a lot of fun to do but since we've added video at my hope now we've seen the engagement rate practically double and people are really digging it so thank you for praying for this program thank you for praying for the ministries that crawford broadcasting is pleased to promote and in our case i'm kind of a homegrown ministry of crawford so thank you for uh your prayers and uh, for supporting our ministries and our advertisers and it's so very, very important that that whole process continues, especially in light of the fact that a guy like Elon, Elon Musk can buy Twitter and the left loses its collective mind because they can't control him. They can't censor him. And I think to myself, you know, it's ironic that we're commemorating this today on October 31st because it was, let's see, 505 years ago that Martin Luther did something that the Catholic Church couldn't control either. And that was he nailed his 95 theses to the door of the church at Wittenberg. And it's interesting because, I mean, in the 16th century, there was the church, Roman Catholic Church in Western Europe. They were under the leadership of the Pope. And they were just the church. And now, because of all the different denominations, they are known as the Roman Catholic Church. But it's interesting when we think about today, October 31st, and how people will debate, do we celebrate Halloween or not? I'm hoping that our churches are commemorating the Reformation because the Protestant Reformation uh, really was foundational, not only for the church in terms of Martin Luther's heart's cry, which was basically to make the church, the biblical church again, but also because of what it did societally. The, the Reformation has had a huge impact on the world at large. Um, first and foremost, I, I try to bring this up every year and when we're talking about it too, you have to keep in mind that when Martin Luther nailed those theses to the door of the church at Wittenberg, it wasn't like he was making a demand and saying, if the Catholic Church doesn't do this, then I'm going to go start my own church. Nothing could be further from the truth. In all honesty, it was rather harmless. The church door, big old wooden thing, was kind of the bulletin board for everybody in the community. It was not uncommon for the priest to nail announcements and things like that on the door just so people knew what was going on. It is somewhat ironic that they would do that knowing that they kept the Bible in Latin and keep it kept it out of the hands of the people who by and large were either illiterate or didn't speak Latin. But Luther basically put together his, it was a homily for that week with these 95 theses, questions that he would ask the church fathers if he could uh, based on what he thought was wrong. I mean, this is a guy who was studying for the priesthood. He was devout in his Catholic faith. He was in full agreement with papal authority. 
he really, I mean, the veneration of Mary, that all lined up for him. At the same time, though, he was wrestling with it. And he really felt like the Roman church was placing its authority and its traditions above scripture. And it seemed like every time he would ask a question, they would not budge. When you consider that he made his apology, if you will, his defense in 20, or excuse me, not 2017, 1517. And it was at the Diet of Worms in 1523, he said, I am refuted and convicted by testimonies of the scriptures or by clear arguments, since I believe neither the Pope nor the councils alone, uh, it being evident that they have often erred and contradicted themselves. I'm conquered by the holy scriptures quoted by me, and my conscience is bound by the word of God. I cannot and will not recant anything. Since it is unsafe and dangerous to do anything against the conscience, here I stand, I cannot do otherwise. God help me, amen. And so therefore, he accepted their excommunication. It's interesting to think that a lot of people think, well, Martin Luther did this because he wanted to overthrow the Catholic Church. Nothing could be further from the church. It's truth. It's called the Reformation for a reason. It, the whole idea was to reform what Luther saw as errors in the Catholic Church. And obviously, when you look at the presence of the Catholic Church in America and in the world today, the Catholic Church did not completely go belly up of the nearly 2 billion with a B people who profess faith in Christ in the world over, and especially here in the US, the vast majority of them claim membership to the Roman Catholic Church. But think about what happened as a result of Luther and the 95 Theses. One of the things that really, if you, if you blow past this, you won't really sense the impact of it luther put his theses up in 1517 but a man by the name of johann gutenberg had a pretty solid impact on ideas and the spread thereof in europe and beyond in 1448 he is credited with inventing the printing press and what's interesting is that that printed technology traveled so quickly across europe it really played a pretty big role in the success of the Reformation. Now, obviously, Luther couldn't preach to everyone. But the printed word could spread his message. And as more and more people started hearing about what he was presupposing, you began to see that the Bible was being translated into languages like German, Luther's native tongue. And once it was, with the printing press, you could get copies of them out and about. Now, the same printing press that was being used to spread his message could also spread other messages as well. So it was not a complete win for the church. But every time there has been a change in technology that impacts mass communication, you have to recognize the fact that there are times when the church actually uh, were beneficial. But it wasn't just the printing press that happened. What did the Reformation do with regard to helping another aspect of life that I believe Jesus was smiling upon. We're going to talk about that coming up next as the bottom line continues. But before we do that, I want to talk about the spread of information as it pertains to the sanctity of human life. Too many people look at 
the issue of a woman facing an unplanned or crisis pregnancy, and they think there's only one option, end the pregnancy. That way you don't have to deal with it. But you and I know there are three options that people have legally here in the U.S., and two of them, I think, are God's plan A and plan A1, and that is have the child or release the child for adoption. Our friends at Preborn are doing a tremendous work to help women make a better informed decision with regard to whether or not to keep their baby. And your $28 donation right now will save a baby's life. $140 will save five. $280 will save ten. 833-850-BABY is the number to call. You give a free ultrasound screening to a woman who's experiencing a pregnancy that she didn't plan on. And once she sees the baby and she hears the heartbeat, she can make a much better decision as to whether or not to keep her child. And 83% of the women who have an ultrasound done at a pre-born pregnancy center wind up keeping their child or releasing that child for adoption. 833-850-BABY is the number to call. 833-850-2229. Or click the pre-born banner when you go to KBright Radio or thebottomlineshow.com. Support pre-born today. Let Wilson Financial Services help you identify proprietary financial strategies for your wealth that work for your life. Let's revisit our one-year CD. Had a client who had $500,000 of retained earnings in his corporation for the last three years. I said, if you'd have put that into this account three years ago, you'd have seventy-five dollars to $100,000 of interest versus what you have now, which is a nice round number. Had a client sell his house, had $450,000 in the bank. I told him, is he really not likely to buy a house in the next 12 months? You want to leave this in the bank earning nothing? Or would you like to earn some interest on it over the next 12 months? So he said, how much? I said, well, how about between 20 and 30,000? He says, zero versus 20 or 30,000. Yeah, he says, I like the 20 or 30,000. Sounds better. Aren't you tired of earning nothing with all the money you have in the bank? Call 800-696-9970. 800-696-9970. Or go to kbrightradio.com forward slash Wilson Financial for simply better alternatives. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show here on this Movie Monday. I'm Roger Marsh. Hey, congratulations, by the way, to Anne from Oceanside. Anne is the winner of the one copy of God, uh, Cowboy and Preacher that we had uh, uh, featuring the documentary about uh, vineyard pastor uh, Tri Robinson, who uh, became an environmentalist, not in the Al Gore sense, not in the glue myself to the Mona Lisa sense after spilling chicken soup on the floor or whatever, but in the hey. He put together a sermon. He called it a green letter sermon where he went through scripture and looked at all of the different places in scripture where we are commanded to care for the earth and said, why don't we start living this out? And they saw their church grow, which because a lot of young people said, oh, my gosh, you're someone who's looking at the environment and treating it seriously, not hysterically, but not politically. And so it's a great documentary. And I hope you really enjoyed that. And from Oceanside, the winner of the Tri Robinson movie it's movie monday here at the bottom line show we have lots of other movies too if you'd like to win a movie joel is standing by take your calls 800-227-5278 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line today is reformation day it's october 31st the 505th anniversary of martin luther nailing the 95 theses to the door of the church at wittenberg he was a seminary student at the time his 95 theses challenged some of the traditions of the Catholic Church and said, I believe we should be more biblical and less traditional. And not traditional in that this is old-fashioned, but rather they were more man-centered traditions like paying indulgence taxes and things like that. And he spent the next six years trying to defend his position, and the Catholic Church eventually threw him out. He was not trying to start a new revolution. <laughs> what he was trying to do 
was to get the church to start thinking more biblically. The printing press played a huge role in helping to expand the tenets of the uh, Reformation. There were other people who were trying to reform the church too. But one thing that the Luther Revolution and Reformation actually did though for the church that I think is great is it actually propelled the spread of literacy. Remember that the, the church up to that point were Catholic priests, bishops, cardinals, etc., who had the word of God in Latin and that's how it was to be read and understood. In other words, you really had to go to the priest to find out what was going on. Luther said, wait a minute. If Jesus Christ came and died for our sins, and Jesus Christ is our mediator between God and man, shouldn't the Bible be in the language of the people? And so German Bibles started becoming very popular. People started publishing the Bible in their own language. And, you know, quite frankly, in the English language, um, you know, I think of Wycliffe, the guy who was one of the first translators of the Bible into English, and uh, John Wycliffe was so uh, reviled by the mainstream church and others that he was literally executed. And at one point his bones were exhumed and burned. I mean, that really was a lot of hatred for Wycliffe. And his crime was printing the Bible in English. Um, it's interesting that Bibles during, after Luther's Reformation, they started showing up in rather uh, colloquial forms of German. And by the way, it's interesting too, women played a huge role in the Reformation as well. Um, they were nuns, they were wives, they were scholars. Um, the whole Reformation in terms of whether or not to, uh, you know, print the Bible in a common language. Women were able to read just as easily as men. And so when you think about it, the Reformation in and of itself kind of changed the game societally, if you will, because of the fact that, um, you know, it, 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 it leveled the playing field. The thing about the, uh, the challenges to the Reformation, um, well, you know, I mean, there, there were challenges. There's always been challenges. But if you look at the history of the church, and I'm not, I don't want to minimize them. But if you look at the challenges to the church, every time it seems that the church is oppressed, the church is put upon, the church, uh, people try to hold the church back, it grows even stronger. I mention often we should be praying for our brothers and sisters in Pakistan, Afghanistan, Iran, China, Iraq, Syria, Egypt, Lebanon, Turkey. I mean, the, the, the list goes on of places that in all the areas I mentioned either have, well, they have a very non-Christian bias. But the church continues to grow and thrive there. We might have seen a few churches here in the States closed down because of the pandemic, but other churches are thriving, are growing incredible. I mean, basically the document with the 95 Theses officially is called the Disputation on the Power of Indulgences. But look at what it's done up to this point. I mean, Protestant reform in England took hold about 15 years later. It was uh, Henry VIII, 1534. <laughs> now, interestingly enough, it started there because... Well, you know, Henry had a wife or two, and he wanted to get an annulment of a marriage. And so the Pope said, you can't get an annulment. So instead, he said, oh, yeah, well, I'm going to create the Church of England. I'm going to assume authority over the Church of England, and we're going to be Catholic until we're not. So as far as, you know, a lot of the things of the church, sure. 
Um, then there was the issue of marriage, and they kind of went Protestant on that. The king and queens of England over the years have kind of gone back and forth. By 1620, of course, there was an English separatist church, and they wanted to try and establish something other than what was going on in England. They tried this in Holland around 1607. It didn't work, but by 1620, they hopped on the Mayflower. They went to New England, landed near what is now known as Plymouth, Massachusetts, and they were known as the Pilgrims. In 1630, a decade after the Pilgrims took off on their journey, the first Puritans traveled to the New World. Remember the Massachusetts Bay Colony in Boston. Separatists and non-separatists disagreed about whether to sever ties with the Church of England, but then both groups of early North American colonists shared the commonality, and that was a dissatisfaction with the Church of England. But think about this. Diversity of religious thought has become a core part of the United States. If you look at the Bill of Rights, it explicitly forbids, quote, the establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. And here we are, 246 years later, still benefiting from that. All of that here in the States began, and again, please know U.S. history is a lot more complicated and nuanced than the pilgrims coming over on the Mayflower and establishing relations with the people that they wound up intermingling with and in some cases overpowering. The heartbeat of the United States at its best is religious liberty. And the drumbeat for that heartbeat literally did begin on the 31st of October, 1517. Would Martin Luther be surprised to find out the echoes, the ripples, the waves that the hammer against the nail against the door of the church at Wittenberg would have left the world with. Points to ponder as we celebrate Reformation Day number 505 here in the U.S., all over the world, and here on the bottom line. Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, some final thoughts about what's happening in the world right now as the bottom line continues. Newport Bay Mortgage will steer you in the right direction toward the truth about reverse mortgages. Owner Cliff enjoys educating every client and wants to debunk the misconceptions you may have heard. You'll see that an FHA-approved reverse mortgage gives you financial freedom. You can use it to pay bills, cover unexpected expenses, or watch your children and grandchildren enjoy themselves while you're still alive. Cliff informs you of the facts. Drawing from his 40 years of reverse mortgage experience, you must be 62 years or older for the FHA program and at least 55 for a conventional high-volume program. It doesn't affect any credit score points and can even be refinanced after one year. When considering ways to enjoy your liquidity in, before, or for retirement, you need Newport Bay Mortgage. Contact Cliff today. Visit kbrightradio.com slash reverse. That's kbrightradio.com slash reverse or 714-741-8080. NMLS 332959. Newport Bay Mortgage, an equal opportunity housing lender. Boy, now is the perfect time to contact Cliff Peliquin at Newport Bay Mortgage and find out if a reverse mortgage is right for you, especially while interest rates are going higher and market values are actually dipping a little bit. You want to maximize the value that you take out today to leave a living and lasting legacy for your kids tomorrow. Learn more when you go to kbrightradio.com forward slash reverse. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Reformation Day 2022 is eight days away from Election Day 2022. 
isn't it interesting to hear how and see how uh, the actions of Martin Luther uh, have still are still leaving echoes and footprints and ripples 505 years later after he did what he felt called to do, what he was led to do by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is a man who loved God, who was in full acceptance of papal authority and veneration of Mary, the whole shot. But he began to notice some inconsistencies and the Holy Spirit really started to work on him. And all of a sudden he began to realize that your relationship with God, your salvation was based on grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. And he started asking questions. And the church began to push back, telling him he was wrong, their traditions were right. But he kept soldiering on. I don't know necessarily that Martin Luther, I mean, we don't really have any record. He did start a, a revolution with his reformation, but that was not his intent. His intent was to bring glory to God by bringing truth to light. I know the Catholic Church has continued on for hundreds of years since the Reformation. I know the Protestant Church has grown in so many different ways. And in some cases, it's grown with a lot of misinformation and just enough truth to keep it salient. But my prayer for all of us as believers, and I, and I say this, praying this prayer, knowing that there are some people who are not yet believers. God's brought you to listen to this program for whatever reason he has, and I'm so glad you tuned in. I really am. I hope that the dialogue that you hear here and, and, and experience here would lead you closer to faith in Christ. Every time Stephanie Cover comes by the studio and we have her on the program, I love she's good. She just lights up, got this big, this tiny little thing. She's got this big smile and she says, man, I just love coming here and feeling the Holy Spirit's presence, the Holy Spirit's power. The Spirit will guide you to do things that don't make sense to the world. And that doesn't matter. You remember when Jesus came to his disciples walking on the water and Peter said, I want to do it too. call me out. And Jesus called him out and he started walking on the water. So here's Jesus walking to Peter and Peter walking to Jesus. And then what happened? You remember Peter took his eyes off the Lord and he started to sink and he said, help me, I'm drowning. And we all look and say, well, when you were looking at Jesus, you weren't drowning. And that is my heart's desire for every believer, including myself. I mean, like Paul says, I'm running this race too, and I don't want to be disqualified. But the joy of the Lord is your strength, and keeping your eyes on him is the best vision you will ever have. It's the best thing you'll ever see. My parents are in their late 80s now, and uh, and in that season of life where things that used to work fairly regularly and you took for granted, um, you can't really count on anymore. Our bodies are going to deteriorate. These bodies are. Our souls and spirits, though, the Spirit of God lives in you and has animated you to life. When you breathe in, the technical medical term for that is inspiration. And when you breathe out, it's expiration. Now, when I mention expiration, what do you think? Well, you think of something that's expired, it's old, it's no good, it's going to be thrown away. But this life is temporary and it's eternal. Isn't that crazy? So when you think about it, some of the traditions and some of the things that we hold dear to in the name of Jesus aren't necessarily things that we are going to adhere to when we're in heaven. Ultimately, heaven doesn't have that hierarchical system of papal structure and pastoral, you know, lording it over us. 
Instead, it's going to be one God, one Lord, one King. And we, as his servants, whom he calls friends, will crown him with many crowns, as to him say. All of our crowns laid at his feet. doesn't matter how many jewels you've earned from the things that you've done. Ephesians 2.10, you know, we are God's workmanship and we have been created by him to do good works, but the works don't get us salvation. Jesus did the only work that provides the salvation for us. The works that we do in his name that Jesus talks about in the Sermon on the Mount, let your light so shine before others that they may see your good works and then do what? Then glorify your father who is in heaven. Those works are the prompting of the Holy Spirit to serve the God who saved you. They're not our means to try to earn our way back into salvation. That's the good news of the gospel. That's the glory of the Lord. It's his glory to send Jesus to save you and me and to make that gift available for anyone who will profess from their mouth that Jesus is Lord and can, and believe in their heart that God raised him from the dead. Is that your heart's cry? Is that the profession of faith coming from your lips? If it is, we have a date in heaven soon. But that's the bottom line. 